Welcome to Story Chats at Inspire Romance. I'm Elizabeth Madry, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Narelle Atkins. I'm Valerie Comer. Today, we were going to be chatting uh, with Courtney Walsh, but there were some scheduling hiccups. So now we are just uh, the three of us going to be talking about Courtney Walsh's recent release, The Happy Life of Isadora Bentley. Um, so I'm going to just start by reading the back cover. Um, since we don't have Courtney here to say, hey, tell us, tell us about the books. So we're going to let the book tell us about the book. Uh, she's out to prove that there's no such thing as choosing happiness. Isadora Bentley follows the rules. Isadora Bentley likes things just so. Isadora Bentley believes that happiness is something that flat out doesn't exist in her life and never will. As a university researcher, Isadora keeps to herself as much as possible. She avoids the students she's supposed to befriend and mentor. She stays away from her neighbors and lives her own quiet, organized life in her own quiet, organized apartment. And she will never get involved in a romantic relationship again, especially with another academic. It will be just Isadora and her research forever. But on her 30th birthday, Isadora does something completely out of character. The young woman who never does anything on a whim makes an impulse purchase of a magazine featuring a silly article detailing 31 ways to be happy, which includes everything from smiling at strangers to exercising for endorphins to giving in to your chocolate cravings. Isadora decides to create her own secret research project, proving the writer of the ridiculous piece wrong. As Isadora gets deeper into her research and meets a handsome professor along the way, she's stunned to discover that maybe, just maybe, she's proving herself wrong. Perhaps there's actually something to this happiness concept, and possibly there's something to be said for loosening up and letting life take you somewhere happy. So um, that is the blurb. <laughs> and he's um, like, nope, happiness doesn't exist. <laughs> <Right>? Happiness, happiness <laughs> would exist if prove, you put me down. <laughs> here to prove that there is no happiness that's right oh it's it's eating and sleeping is happiness for cats <laughs> that's right. i'm and sure not, of it and, and coming on the podcast is <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> sorry to those of you who love seeing her she yeah. doesn't She's actually done. quite love you back so much <laughs> so um anyway we all three read it yeah. and we're going to talk about it what we liked about it and such so um norelle you wanted to start off yes with, uh sort of one of the major tropes of of the of the book right yes yeah, so yeah. yes so I thought that we could start by talking about what I call the my life my life is a disaster because I'm single and turning 30 trope and <laughs> I mean we see this in, it often kicks off a lot of stories and that is the trope although this book doesn't specifically go too much into that trope it's more a kickoff to the story as opposed to what the story is about. So I thought we'd take a step back from the book and just talk about the trope. And so I actually know from having conversations with readers, and these are Australian readers, so maybe it's different in the States, um, that they're, and they these are ladies that are older than the age of 30 and are single, and they really absolutely detest this trope. They hate the, when they see a book that's a woman who's 30 and bemoaning the fact she's single, they're like, nah. Not interested. My life is over. <laughs> yes, and one of the reasons that um, they feel this way is that it can be disempowering, and the suggestion that my life is not complete because I'm single and don't have a man um, is just 
not it's not part of their experience of life and they've very happily lived as single women and live fulfilling godly lives without needing to be married so I think it's a very interesting topic to talk about and um, there are many fun ways it can be twisted for example the teenagers at high school who feel gawky and dorky and never think they'll ever get married who'll say oh look if we're both 30 and unmarried we'll marry each other and that's a really fun twist on the trove um son made a pact like that with a girl he knew from youth group oh really yeah they, they were both married to someone else long before they were 30 but they did yeah. came home and went well we've uh, i've got that covered Not so you don't worry about me you know getting old by myself and i'm like oh good she's a yeah. nice girl See, sometimes it happens in real life. And so when I first started reading this book, it's interesting. I don't know. Everyone takes their baggage to a story. Like you've got your life experiences. And when I started reading the first chapter um, with Isadora Bentley, who's an academic and also a researcher, it made me think about an experience I had probably five or six years ago. Was It was before the pandemic where I was at a conference um, at a hotel and I was listening to a lady who would be in her 30s, who is a researcher, talking about her career and her work. And during her podium presentation, she basically broke down and was in tears oh, no. talking about how hard it was to be a researcher and be on annual contracts. So she never had permanent work. It was year by year by year. She never quite knew whether she'd have a job the following year. And so that probably made me really think about how Isadora, who's very depressed at the beginning of the book, in the sense that she's in a grocery store buying all this enormous amount of junk food for her 30th birthday that she's celebrating alone, um, how there's a lot of pressure that can sort of be on people, um, particularly single women as well, because they, if they're they don't have a husband to rely upon to pay the bills. It's all on their shoulders as well. So I thought we could talk about the um, the single at 30 trope because I did empathise with Isabel, with Isabella, Isadora, get the name right. <laughs> <laughs> I empathised with her at the start of the story. And so what do you guys think about this particular trope? Generally speaking, um, it's interesting to me because I I feel like, in the US at least, it needs to, to, to if it's gonna stay relevant, relevant, it probably needs to shift to like 40 because people aren't getting married necessarily at 22, 23, 21, like, like they did even when I got married at 21. You know, um, it was anymore today to be single and 30 is if, if you're married at 25, they're like, wow, why'd you get married so young? You're babies. Um, so, so I think maybe we need to shift the trope <laughs> a little bit. At um, least to 35, if not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be, because I, there is certainly, um, you know, I'll, I'll not go into a soapbox rant about the decline of Christianity in the United States and all the things that have, have pushed like marriage to the back burner for so many people, um, but but the reality is that marriage is not as much of an important step for so many people anymore. So to be single at 30 is pretty much the norm at this point. If you're married before that, um, you know, you're you're babies. Um, but um I've never been a big fan of tropes that rely on comparing 
my life to someone else's and then deciding I suck because my life isn't theirs. Um, you know, mm. uh, to me, because I think maybe because I struggle with comparison in my own life, I know that if I'm watching a character do this, I'm going to really struggle because it's easy to then get into that trap and have it bleed over. And then you're right back where you were comparing, you know, whatever. Um, and, and that's not what God made us to be right. God didn't create us to be, um, we're not all supposed to be Eve, you know, he gave, right. he created us all individually. He knit us uniquely in our mother's womb. And so the idea of living your life in depression because you've compared yourself to someone else or, or societal expectations, I will say for Isadora, I don't think she cares so much. It's that her mother cared and her mother mm. just, you know, her whole life, she'd been set up to fail by her mother. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a parenting problem more than anything else is her mother never saw her um, and never let her be herself. So that's why she has this insecurity, which is probably a spoiler alert. Sorry. Um. <laughs> it kind of is a spoiler alert, but you also see very early in the story, just through character voice, it's all told through Isadora's point of view. Uh, so we don't get the handsome professor at all um, in his thoughts. Um, you figure out pretty quickly that she's not neurotypical. Yeah. And she takes, she has a very interesting, she has a very strong internal voice. Yeah. And, and it is well written and interesting in that way, but it's not complementary to herself no. in any way. Um, but but it does help you kind of get into her head because the whole book's in her head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to, to see kind of where she's coming from with this um, angst, which yeah. is partly, like you say, her mom. Yeah. And then her own experience has not proved her mother wrong. No, no, that's true. And that was something that I really love because at the start of the book, like, I got her because I've been that quiet, nerdy scientist girl who none of the popular kids want anything to do with, right? Like, um, and and I think universally, probably everybody uh, feels that they probably live that. I'm sure that the popular homecoming queen cheerleader is like, you know, oh, boo-hoo, people don't really like me. They just think I'm pretty or something. I don't know. I I. I, I don't know either. Lack, I clearly lack empathy here, <laughs> but I'm trying. Um, you know, but um, I think universally we probably all struggle with that comparison idea. You know, with with the pressure to to be loved by everyone, uh, when in reality, no one is loved by everyone. It's not a thing. <laughs> right. So mm. the pressure to be um, have made something of yourself by the time you're 30 yeah and in this case like to be happy at 30 yeah. um I don't know 31 ways to be happy like does that even have any merit well as, I as a premise. yeah I mean I, I would say that it is certainly a premise that the magazines at the checkout stand try to sell right um <laughs> Yes, it's not far-fetched to think that she could have seen that on a right. magazine, that's for sure. Um, 
And and I think ultimately what Isadora finds out through the process is the correct answer. Um, I'm not going to spoil all of it. <laughs> um, although I would I would caveat that um, you know happiness happiness and joy are different things, um, and yeah. You can have fleeting happiness in your life without joy, because if you don't have Christ, you won't have joy. And and this is where sometimes I found myself sort of yelling at my Kindle while I was reading this, <laughs> uh, because I'm just like, you know, searching for happiness is fine, but until you embrace Jesus, that you're going to have to keep searching for happiness and you're going to chase the next big thing. And it will never be fulfilling and enough until you are willing to surrender yourself to find joy in Christ. Um, but the book did not go that deep. So. <laughs> it, it did not. Um, and that's, that was a sadness to me. Yeah. Um, I wanted to have a, a spiritual arc in there and there wasn't one, um, but it, it didn't, there was nothing in the cover copy or whatever to make me think that there would be. No, I agree. Uh, mm. yeah. I mean, and other than that, it's Thomas Nelson and, and labeled Christian. Um, but yeah, there is no, so I did, I, I had expected more than I saw, but, um, but there's nothing objectionable. So that's nice too. Mm. Right. And happiness is a feeling though. And feelings can be very deceptive. Yeah. And it was when, I mean, when you start, I think one of the first steps on the 31 ways to be happy is to smile. And that did make me laugh because my son, who is also new, who's not neurotypical, um, we used to talk about when you're meeting people, because he's had a lot of still struggles with quite severe social anxiety is what do you do? You um, make eye contact, smile, say hello. And that was the three steps that we used to practice, 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 make eye contact, smile, say hello. And it's, you don't probably really think about how much communication is body language related. And um, Isadora in the story talks about how she can't read faces and she just can't pick up on those cues and it's effectively like being blind or deaf, yeah. but it's in the way that that can actually um, affect someone. And she was also interesting because like my son, she does pick up on how other people react to her as well. And I really appreciated the way Courtney, um, where we walked through in Isadora's point of view and we really could see how she really she had that genuine desire to connect with people she wanted to have that um she wanted to understand what love was because she really she wasn't loved or nurtured by either of her parents um her mother we don't actually see her mother in the story and I was quite glad about that because I think my kindle my may have actually got thrown <laughs> if I'd had to listen to that woman talking because I was I, I mean I think I sort of looked at her from maybe a mother perspective because of um, my son and I just wanted to, I just felt so sad for her that she just had such a difficult start in life that the school system didn't pick up that she needed additional resources and I mean schoolyard bullying is is something that she's experienced in her past in different ways and then bullying for other reasons because she's not I mean this is this is the other thing that I probably thought about with the book is that women are not allowed to be intelligent mm -hmm. and pretty you can be smart, 
but then you need to be ugly. You can be pretty and beautiful, but you have to be a dumb blonde. And that's the, that's where if you want to bring the society expectations in, she was set up to fail because of jealousy and envy from other people. So what she couldn't interpret was that people picking on her and being mean to her, a lot of that was driven by their envy and jealousy. And that's a failure that goes back primarily to her mother because I think her mother was very jealous of her. I wouldn't be surprised if her, she described her mother as being a narcissist and narcissistic mothers tend to be jealous of their daughters I as well. That's something that can happen. I think it's more just that her mother was disappointed that she didn't get a mini me um, because that's what she had wanted. And Isadora is, is not that, you know, she didn't know what to do with this bright child. child that wasn't like her. Yeah. This, this scientific bright child what do you do with you know there are a lot of people who who have a child that's the opposite of who they are and they're like what is what is this kid what do I do with this good parents learn (laughs) you know good parents are like oh you're you're interested in that let me let's let's learn it together um Isadora's mother was like no no don't be interested in that come put these high heels on you know try to be this person that I want you to be um, and so then she never measured up and she was made to feel like what she wanted was not worthwhile in addition. Oh yeah. Her, I mean, her mother, I mean, she describes her mother as being a narcissist yeah. in the story. Yeah. And horrible. it's just, <laughs> and the other thing that I think the other thing about Isadora that I just wanted to say to her is please go and get therapy. Don't be afraid of therapy. Therapy would really help you more than, um, following 31 steps to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> So we never see in the story the actual 31 steps listed out unless they're put as an addendum in the paperback, which it might be. Um, But I think if a person really tried, they could piece together almost all of it because here and there they're like, well, step 15 is blah, blah, blah. And she tried to do this way. Um, So that that was it was interesting because it gave a lot of different ways that the plot um, could could play out. And so through this, I mean, she not only meets the, the gorgeous professor right. who becomes a love interest, um, she meets an elderly man who sits on the bench outside in the courtyard and eats his lunch every day because that's where many, many years ago he'd met his wife. Yeah. Uh, and she also meets her neighbor and her neighbor takes her under wing and her four kids I want to say four is it four I think, I think and especially the 10 year old daughter just kind of like kind of decide to to be her people even yeah, when she's yeah. not really sure she wants people so so that was fun those were those characters I think were really well drawn and I enjoyed getting to know um all of them if you I love the side characters they were just amazing if if you love found family as a trope mm-hmm. um, yes this, mm. this is a book that leans heavily into the idea of found family. Um, because her family, as yeah. we've mentioned, <laughs> is terrible. Nothing to write home about. Yeah. Um, I will say that that I sometimes struggle with found family because of my own baggage that I bring to books, right? Um, so this, this does, I'll say, such a good job with found family that it actually 
made me sad, I guess, because to me it was, it's that fictional, unrealistic, unreachable level of found family. Like it, it, it can't happen that you find these people who get you so well in real life. And don't, it only and don't misstep. Right. That, that yeah. only happens in books. Um, and so then, then you are left sort of wishing that that could happen in reality when you know that in fact, you know, sorry, the world is full of flawed people and you're going to hurt each other eventually. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, we're doing pretty good. We got a little bit, um, we talked about the characters and the found family. All right, if you had to say one more thing that you wanted to talk about with this book quickly, Valerie, what would what would be the one thing that you would want readers to know? It would be genre. Uh, I think it's marked romance, or at least it was presented to us as romance. And there are definite strong romantic elements in it. I think 15 years ago, it would have been called Chicklet. Um, it's all in her head. It's, she's a strong character. She can carry it. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to have dual point of view for a romance, but it helps. Mm -hmm. The whole premise is more um, her 31 ways to find happiness. And one of them happens to be meeting this hunky professor um, who says all the right things, does all the right things. And you don't get in his head to find out whether he's struggling with any of that at all. Um, so it's it's more women's fiction in that the, the romance is not the center thing. I think it's really a fine line. What did you guys think about that? I think I it could go either way. Because yeah, the romance arc, if you if you're to look at it from a story structure perspective, the romance arc was there. It was just not front and center. Mm -hmm. It was there. I, it just wasn't the focus. I would say if you... Um, if you read Catherine Center, who is a secular author, um, it, it falls very much in the similar vein as her books, um, which which I tend to classify more as like romantic women's fiction. So right. it's um, self-discovery, coming of age. Um, coming self of 30. <laughs> well, yeah, right. More more self-discovery, old, older, older coming of age because we're not teenagers anymore, right? It's, um, so that self-discovery with also now that you are more whole as a person, you're now able to to love and be loved because you're not as broken as you were. Or as immature. Immature is probably better play, than playing on the yeah. playing on the coming of age part, yeah. right? Yeah. You have matured and, and taken ownership of yourself and, right. and your who you are, how you are, understand yeah. yourself enough yeah. to get out of your head. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I would I would agree it tends more uh romantic women's fiction than like romance yeah. for sure. I would agree with that. So the things and to like. Yeah. That it's that it's um, that you've got a really strong point of view character. Yeah. Really do the found family thing for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it took me a little to get into. I'll be honest, but I I found myself really rooting for. Isabel I got Obama. sucked in very quickly, so that um, I loved her neighbor's kid, whose name has escaped me. <laughs> Delilah. Delilah. The kids Delilah were fabulous. Yeah. yeah, such perfect snark. I mean, I have ten year olds in my life right now, right? <laughs> so I can just see 
the one of them just being that child and just saying it like she sees it and you're like right then <laughs> thank you yeah. for sharing your opinion with me <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's like yeah no problem yeah right <laughs> oh, I hurt you but whatever <laughs> I have another one would you like to hear it <laughs> Narelle if you had one more thing what would you push what I said I would love to see Isadora in five or ten years in another book because I think she's what we see in this book is just a lovely snippet of her journey mm -hmm. and she's a scientist so everything's about data and she questions everything and I think she's on a journey to start questioning God and beliefs and faith and stuff like that and I just I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist so I like to assume that everyone I read about in a book that um, will end up finding Jesus somewhere at some point in time in their life and it may not be till they're 90 but you know <laughs> God is faithful and um, all the rest so I'd love to see her in another book down the track just to see how she's um, flourished it's like you've seen a flower budding she's just started to open the petals mm -hmm. and I think there's it'd be really fun to actually see how she is able to embrace getting rid of the shackles of all that emotional baggage from her childhood and teen years and a family who's ignored her and rejected her and um, moving into a new stage in life. So I really appreciated the ending. I thought it was very positive. It tied up the story and I would love to see her again because she was quite sweet. Yeah. I, um, I would like to see more about his family, like his, because he has fantastic parents fantastic siblings I'm like there are like four more novels in this series yes <laughs> with his siblings and and that's you know obviously like author 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 right we're we're looking for how do I make a series out of these things and I'm fairly certain that this is designed to be a standalone but I loved his family toward the end mm. of the book when you get to yeah. meet them they're just so wonderful and and I want more of them um, and I'm sad that I probably will never get more of them <laughs> because they just were fantastic. Um, they were. there yes. are, there are so many delightful characters in this book. Um, and, and they are people that you wish could be your, your little group, um, that you could go yeah. sit on a bench and eat your lunch with the, the old man and that you could, uh, go to yoga with the neighbor, um, even though you don't get the endorphins, you know. Um, They'd be better uh, that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it just, it's a lovely cast of characters. Um, yes. It's a lovely cast of characters, for sure. So you might enjoy reading it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So definitely look it up. Um, she's getting lots of love for the book on Instagram, which is good because I think the book deserves it. Um, so uh have you read it let us know we would love to know uh what you thought if you've read it uh or if you now are going to, to read it um and I have in here you know what's coming next Courtney because when we wrote our notes I had I had hoped that she would get to be here I have no idea but she just finished something so um maybe another indie novel um I don't know she's she's pretty good about keeping people apprised on her Instagram though. So if you want to know what Courtney Walsh is up to, I recommend following her on Instagram. That seems to be where she's most active. And she has an adorable dog yeah. that you get to see also. So, you know, <laughs> that's always a bonus. Yeah. Um, let us know what you thought. 
you can leave a comment on the Facebook page or on the YouTube video and um, see how I caught it from being on the YouTube. Yeah, I'm not 80, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is the Facebook. The Facebooks and the YouTubes. <laughs> so leave us a comment. And if you are over on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. And we will look forward to seeing you again next week. In the meantime, don't forget to fall in love with a good book. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone.